Thanks be to God for our testimonies, for our scripture reader, for all who are gathered here today. Thank you so much for being here. Um, I'm Hannah. I'm the pastor of this site, our Wicker Park site. Uh, I loved the, the noted reading. I was telling somebody yesterday, the fact that Mary asked the question, how can this be since I am a virgin, shows us that Mary got sex ed, right? So <laughs> everybody else should too. Um, so if you would please, <laughs> Beth Ann's pro. Um, so if you would all pray with me. If you are the praying kind, I would, enjoy, I would appreciate that. God of grace and mercy, God of surprises and shocks, God who is with us in pain and joy and being ghosted, God be with us on this day and all days, on this eve of a miracle. Let us remember that all days in your creation are miracles and all days are eves of miracles greater than we ever could have expected. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This Advent, we as a church have been considering what a wonderful world it is. We've been looking for wonders in the world around us, in nature, in people, in how we can be to one another, even though sometimes we aren't. <laughs> in how we can be community and how we can know God. And we have been looking for those wonders um, as reminders. Jesus said that there would be signs of his coming, um, that there would be signs of who he was. And we have too often missed those signposts because there's so much challenge in the world. The wonderful things get lost <laughs> or get um, overshadowed or overcome. And so we've been remembering wonder this Advent and there are a lot of wonderful things in the Christmas story to notice. There's the kind of classic miracles of the Christmas story. Angels appearing to people, right? Um, uh, people seeing miraculous signs in the sky and then knowing what to do with them. Those are the classic wonders. But there's wonder even to be found in the basics of what is happening in the Christmas story. And the nitty-gritty, in the 101, in the things that people are doing on the day that they find out that Jesus has been born. One of the groups of people we follow in their story to find Jesus is the shepherds, right? And if you go today to um, Bethlehem, you'll find three different fields that people think might have been the field where the shepherds were, but fields look alike. So here's a picture of one of those sites in Beit Zahor. Um, she sheep in that field, that's the hill, right? Potentially, or it's a hill that's a lot like the hill <laughs> where the shepherds and the sheep were waiting. And it was a miracle that the angel appeared to them in the course of a normal day. And it was a miracle that they listened and that they went and that they saw and that they told the story. But you know what's also a miracle? You know what's also wondrous and wonderful? Is those sheep and that grass. Do you know what is very, very strange and wonderful about sheep? They have four stomachs. This, I think, is very cool and interesting. And they take grass, this short, tiny plant that seems to taste awful and seems to be nothing, and they turn it into milk and life and sustenance and community and wool that can make you warm, and they turn it into all of this amazing stuff. That's wondrous to me. You know what's wondrous about grass? Grass is one of the oldest plants in the world. It has survived so much, mostly because it grows from the bottom and not from the top. 
Grass isn't like a flower where if you cut off the top, it's done forever. If you cut off the top of grass, the bottom says, I am resilient. You shall not take me away, right? I, I still have room to grow. I still have things to do on this earth. And that's part of how grass has taken over so much and how it's become sustenance for so many animals, that it grows from the bottom. It grows from the part that most people ignore and think is ugly. And so it has lived through everything and anything, <laughs> and it has kept on being. Grass is a miracle, <laughs> and it's all around us all the time. There's another group of folks we follow, um, the Magi. Some people call them wise men, some people call them kings, some people call them astronomers. What we know is that they were three guys who saw a star, <laughs> and they took up that offer. Um, and we follow them, and it's a miracle that they followed the star. And it's a miracle that they listened to their instincts. And it's a miracle that they brought these gifts. But it's also um, stars. Seeing them at all is extraordinary and an extraordinary wonder. Look at this picture of the night sky, of all of the stars that we see. We see fewer than this in Chicago, I'll admit. <laughs> um, but the closest, the, the farthest away star that you can see with your naked eye is there's debate about this, but somewhere between six and 10,000 light years away, <laughs> we see things that are so far away from us. There are worlds and planets and comets and asteroids in between, and the world is so much bigger than us. It is as small as grass and as big as these stars all at the same time, and that I find wondrous. And then our minds are so curious, and our hands are so able, and people are so devoted to knowing more about the world, that we invent things like telescopes, and then we invent better telescopes, and then we invent ones we can send into the sky, and then all of a sudden we can see stars that are 13 billion years away. Because that's how big this universe we live in is. <laughs> there are wonders to be found here in the story, wonders of miracles that I think God still does. There are still moments when things happen in my life that I cannot explain or understand, but there's also the wonders that are happening to me in every moment of every day. Wonders of grass and sheep and friendship and science and stars that are in their story and are in my story and are in your story that we constantly are putting aside. So let's remember the next time you're stepping on grass or stepping on snow that's stepping on what used to be grass, where the grass is sleeping, the next time you look at the sky and you see a star, however close that star might be in this light-polluted city, <laughs> that wonders surround you, that wonders surround. And this is part of what I love about the Christmas story, is there are so many people to follow. There are years when my life feels very ordinary, like nothing will ever change, and those years I really identify with the shepherds right, who are just kind of like living life and then all of a sudden God breaks in and they have to deal with it. There are years when I am particularly like living a little high on the hog. I've got my privilege going, right? Um, things are kind of working out for me. Life is going good. And I have to remember the Magi and that while they had such a social position, such an education, such wealth and gifts, that Herod was nice to them, they had to remember that Herod was not a friend to Jesus, right? And that meant that Herod was not a friend to anyone. Um, there, there are years when I identify with them. I have to remember that part of the story. This year, um, I am seven months pregnant. <laughs> so I have really been identifying with Mary. <laughs> this, is, this is the Mary advent for me. <laughs> 
Every day of Advent, I have felt Mary's story in ways that I have never felt it before. And I have thought about Mary's stories in in parts of it that have never occurred to me. For instance, today is Christmas Eve, right? Tomorrow's Christmas. All of the pictures of Christmas, these beautiful, you know, even if we find sort of ones that are in caves rather than in snow, because guys, where were we? We were, you know, um, uh, in in the desert. They all have this beautiful, clean baby, this mama who can already sit up, right? She's not not lying down anymore. Joseph isn't terrified out of his mind as a man growing up in a culture where men weren't allowed near childbirth, but then he was there to help her, right? Like, Joseph gets some props in this story to me. Um, It's all the after part. But if we're going to talk about the day before Jesus was born, that's today, whatever day it was, whatever month, Mary was probably already in labor. And uh, some of us have gone through labor, some of us have not. But if you have not, it is not a pleasant experience. (laughs) Um, It is an incredibly challenging experience. It is for me, someone who the the first time I labored, I labored in a hospital, surrounded by the greatest technology that people could offer, surrounded by nurses who cared for me, by family members who loved me. It is still the most dangerous thing I've ever done in my life, right? And I know that to be true. It's the most risky, dangerous, Um, painful, confusing thing that has ever happened to me. And it happened to Mary in a barn with no one that she knew except her husband. (laughs) I have been really feeling Mary this Advent. Um, A lot of people ask, there's the song, Mary, did you know, right? Mary, did you know that your baby boy would become who he was? And we point to this scripture that we read to say, Mary did know. She was perplexed, she was confused, there was a lot of it that didn't make sense to her because the world is a mystery, but she did know that she was taking on something important. And she said yes to taking on something important. She said, yes, I want to do this. Let it be with me as you have said. That sounds really important. The Savior sounds really important. I want to be a part of the great miracles of God. But I wonder, as much as she knew that she was doing something that God needed and wanted, that she could be a part of something extraordinary and a part of something great, I wonder if she knew how hard it would get in the meantime. I wonder if she knew that, (laughs) tell me, you may not have labored, you might not be seven months pregnant, but here's where we can all find ourselves in the Mary story, Um, that because of a tax policy that was passed for the rich and not for the poor, she had to go to a town that was not her own when she was in no place to travel. Because there was no healthcare system that she had access to as a person without money, (laughs) she couldn't get the care that she needed and wanted. Because there was no affordable housing in the place that she had gone to, because there was so little hospitality, she was not even in the kind of room she would normally have slept in, but a room that was for animals. These are the places where most of us can find ourselves in Mary's story. I wonder if she knew that part, the part of how hard it would get of how much pain there would be, of how laboring would be something, laboring for a miracle would be something that was a blessing and an honor and an extraordinary act of strength and prophecy and pretty hard and awful. I've been feeling Mary this Advent. (laughs) All of the parts of her story that I never thought of before, all the parts I never saw. And I've been thinking about them because I see in the end As hard as they are, as much as they are undeserved, they are about a world that sometimes doesn't see us, 
a world that sometimes can't handle all of who we are and all of what people need and all of what love looks like. I am amazed. I find wonder in what Mary chooses to do, too. That Mary embraces a life, embraces a call that is not about things being easy or perfect immediately. <laughs> it is not about an Emmanuel God with us that means God makes it all perfect right now and nothing will ever be hard again. It just means that God is with us in whatever happens. I find it really interesting that even though all of the prophecies say that the Savior will be called Emmanuel, we don't, have, we don't like worship Manny Christ today, right? We worship Jesus Christ. Why was he named Jesus? I think it's because Mary's namesake, Miriam, knew Jesus' namesake, Joshua, once. And Joshua was the one who got to see the promised land, and Miriam didn't. <laughs> and that's a little bit of the relationship that we have between Mary and Jesus, where she knows, she knows that she's putting in work. She's putting in time. She's putting in hardship for something that she will not see the full fruition of but for something that is nonetheless critical to the world and worth doing, <laughs> worth loving towards, worth working towards, worth caring towards, because she cares about what Jesus will mean for the world as much as she cares about what the hardship will mean for herself. And I see wonder in her survival, <laughs> in her saying, no matter how hard this gets, God is with me. And her saying, I will remember the words of the shepherds, and I will remember that Joseph was here for me, um, and I will raise this boy to be a boy who understands what it means to live a hard human life. Because that, in the end, is what Christmas is all about. Babies are cute. So are animals, right? So are sheep. That is a great part of Christmas that is fun. It is not, in the end, the miracle of Christmas. It's not why we have a worship service for it. We celebrate Christmas because it is a signal to us of who God is. That God says, I know that it is hard, you guys. <laughs> I understand that 2017, for most of you, has probably not been your favorite year on earth. <laughs> that you have seen challenge. That your bodies have known pain like Mary's that you have known oppression like Jesus will face at a few months old when he has to flee the country, <laughs> that you have known what it is for your family to not trust you, that you have known what it is for people to not love and care for you the way that you should, and I will join you in that. I see you. I will take on a body that can hurt. I will take on a life that can be ended because I see all that you are doing and I join you in it. Kierkegaard said um, about us, it's good advice for us, uh, he who cannot reveal himself can never love. We can't love if we don't reveal ourselves. That's part of why vulnerability is such an important part of building relationships with others, whether it's roommates or romantic partners or family. But it's also part of how we know how much God loves us because God revealed God's self to be the kind of God who says what it means to be me and what it means to be you is that I will become the most vulnerable thing that I can see and say that that is who God is all about. And that is what God is all about. It's amazing to me 
what the ancients found wondrous and strange about this story and what we find wondrous and strange about this story. Um, I think for most of us, the idea that a human is like a human and God at the same time is a little difficult to wrap our heads around, right? That's a, that's a tough one. Um, for the ancients, that was easy. That was already what the emperor of Rome claimed to be, right? Someone who was the son of God. That was classic. That was normal. What was challenging for them was that God would come to earth in such a low-class person. That's what they couldn't believe, right? They were like, oh, God comes to earth all the time. But God comes to earth in kings, right? God comes to earth in people who wear crowns and have power and boss people around and have all the best swords and all the best horses and tell people what to do. And instead, God says to us what we now take for granted because we've seen the picture of the nativity so many times, that God comes to us (laughs) as a baby who has parents who are hurting, who are subject to a state that does not see or care about them, that God comes to us in the form of the hardest, most vulnerable, weakest, softest places of our lives and says, that that stuff's good too. (laughs) I see it and I'm with you and it won't always be this way. God shares with us the challenges that this year may have been for you. So it is wondrous, it is wondrous that Mary chooses to be a part of a miracle that Mary, for all of her confusion, right, at first, I love that it just says she's perplexed. Seems to me like the understatement of the millennium. Um, <laughs> first of all, I'm seeing an angel. Second of all, he's telling me I'm going to get pregnant. <laughs> Third of all, right, he's telling me that I'm going to get pregnant with the savior of the world. Um, that though she is perplexed, she chooses to take on something because she believes that it is a part of what God wants from us. I think God is asking the same thing of us today, that we are being asked to be the laborers and the midwives of a kingdom that is better than what we found here. And the promise is not that it will be easy. And the promise is not that it will be fun. The promise is simply that it's what Jesus would do for us. And so why wouldn't it be what we do for each other and for Jesus? (laughs) It's a miracle that Mary took that on. And it's a miracle that she survives the hard times, right? Both of those things I find wondrous. But what I find the most wondrous of all, the most wondrous of all, is that God has told us that what God does is join us in all of that. Every bit, every piece, the good stuff and the bad stuff, and cares about every single bit of it as if it was happening to God's own self, because it did. (laughs) That's what we celebrate this Christmas. We've all been a baby, even if we haven't been Mary. And it can be hard to identify with Jesus in this story because we know who Jesus becomes. The one who knows all, does all, is the source of miracle and wonder. And yet that's what we are asked to do at the end of the Christmas story. To see ourselves not just in the shepherds, not just in the magi, not just in Mary or Joseph or the sheep or the cow or the whatever, but to see ourselves in Jesus, the one who needs to be cared for, whose body is small and tiny. He can't talk, he can't walk, he can't express will, and yet he is a source of unending wonder, of God's divine creation. And so are you, and so are you, and so is every single one of us, every single one of us who comes together to celebrate Christmas this day. I wanna bring up one last slide, which is, Images of Mary from different times. 
as I've been thinking about her this Advent. This one's a modern one, came out a couple years ago. Uh, people at a gas station trying to find a place to stay. This one up a right is uh, medieval Mary. I love the, this to me is the most accurate look that Mary would have had when the angel came. Like, girl, what? <laughs> like, who are you? Um, and then this is an Ethiopian Orthodox vision at the end um, of Mary with Jesus in heaven. This in the Ethiopian Orthodox tradition is where Mary ends up, that she ends up as hard as her life is from the moment she labors to the moment that she is one of the few women brave enough to stand at the cross at the end of this, or the middle part of this story, right? Resurrection happens, don't worry. Um, That what will happen in the end is that she will be one with the community, that she will be one with the kingdom, that she will be one with Jesus, that there will be something better that awaits us all. And in the waiting for Christmas, we learn how to wait for that other thing. And in the celebration of Christmas, we learn how to celebrate who God is, even in the midst of our most difficult times. That's what we can do for each other. That's what we can do for this community. That's what we can do for God. Be people who recognize that the Jesus parts of us, the vulnerable parts of us, the weak parts of us, are the closest to God, the most beloved. They are things that are cherished and are seen. And there is a God, Emmanuel, who is with us, who joins us in all of it so that we might be brave and strong enough to join each other and do the hard work of laboring for a kingdom that is better than what we find today. Amen? Amen. We thank you.